death unto them. They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher, and they ran both together. The other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the Scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary, Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not, know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that He had spoken these things unto her. I want to ask Elijah if he would to pray for us, pray for the service. Amen. We're here in John chapter 20, and this is a chapter that sets us apart as far as Christianity is concerned. Jesus has risen from the grave. Amen. We serve a risen Savior. And that is the, when you study different religions of the world, that is the defining factor for Christianity, is that our God is alive and well. We don't go to a tomb to worship, but we serve a risen Savior. And we're here and Mary has come to anoint the body of Jesus and the body of Jesus is gone. And she's very discouraged and downhearted and defeated in a great way. And I don't know about you sometimes, but if we serve and serve faithfully and serve steady and consistently, I've had times I've been kind of discouraged. I've had times that I've been defeated. Times, whether you like to say it or not, that you question, is it really worth it? When you come consistently and maybe you come to a service and just nothing clicked for you. And you say, was it worth the drive? When you go and you serve on a bus route, and you pick up that Sunday morning and half of the ones that told you they would come, they don't come. And the inside you say, wow, is it worth it? 
when you look at the expenditures of all the different projects and different things that go into a ministry of ours, the Lord's that He has privileged us to steward over, you say, man, and you get discouraged and challenged. And Mary here, I see her in that same situation. Discouraged, defeated. But there's something that took place here in this passage that literally turned a situation from defeat to victory. And there's one word. Out of all the 18 verses we read, there's really just one key word that takes that moment of defeat and despair and the crying and the weeping. One word that turns it to a victory. I want you to look there in verse number 16. And I want to show you the word. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto Him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus called her by name. Throughout the passage, at the beginning of the passage, the name Mary Magdalene is referenced. But the whole time that Mary is being referred to as a person, she is called woman. Very generic, woman. Until... Jesus speaks to her. Then she is called Mary. And what a world of difference Jesus made for her in that moment. I want to preach a very simple message. He knows my name. He knows my name. I want to say first of all that Jesus knew my name when He saved me. I'd like to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We use our Bibles a little bit tonight. Luke chapter 19. And we'll start in verse number 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Jesus is talking and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. We know that passage is very familiar. We often come, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. But let's not forget the setting. Jesus is passing through Jericho and Zacchaeus ran and climbed a tree because he was short. And he wanted to see Jesus. And as Jesus passed by, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus. Some of you are wanting to start singing, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, aren't you? And looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down. But I want you to notice, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. When we are seeking something, we know what we are seeking. 
be kind of odd, wouldn't it, if you're looking for something, and somebody said, what are you looking for? And you look down and say, well, I don't know. You're searching for something you don't know. I remember growing up, we would, uh, me and my brother were notorious for losing the remote to the TV. And dad would, would drive a truck, and as he was getting close to home, mom would go into panic mode and say, boys, your dad's going to be home. We need to find the remote and have it ready. And we would seek, and we were looking for something particular, something specific. The remote that would function to television. And I want to say that the purpose that Jesus came, He was looking for someone and something. He was looking for us. That when He came to save us, He came seeking me and you specifically. It wasn't just a random, but He came to seek and to save somebody with a purpose. When I was 11 years old, the Lord saved me. And I'm thankful. I thought I'd been saved when I was younger and through a series of events and I had gotten involved with uh, some guys in middle school and we were, I guess you would call us friends. And I thought it would be cool to try to fit in. And I began, and I grew up in church, been here since I was two years old. And I wanted to fit in though. Two boys in particular and one lived just next through the woods. I was able to go to his house during the week or whatever in the afternoons after school and on the weekends. And I thought it would be cool to, to try to fit in so I would, you know, cuss now and then. Of course, not in front of mom or dad, right? And I would, I would in those times, to try to be cool, I'd do those things. And Little did I know, though, we live in a small world, and even though it wasn't in front of them, somebody that was in my class had a brother, and they attended our church, that brother was a friend of my brother. And my brother had been told about my choice of words. And one day I wouldn't give up the Xbox. I was playing whatever game it was. My brother wanted to play and I wouldn't give it to him. And that was the time for him to cash in on his blackmail. And so that he did. He cashed in on it. And uh, I want to say he got in trouble for blackmail. Amen. And, uh, but I got in trouble as well. But there was one thing that was different. I'm not here to say what you should do or shouldn't do in this situation. But I can remember standing in the kitchen as my mom's crying. And she asked me something. I can tell you I did not get a spanking for this. I can tell you I didn't get a bar of soap in the mouth. I would have taken both of those over what she did. But as she's crying, she looks and she says, how do you think that makes Jesus feel? And those words stung in my heart and they would sit for days up until the next church service. And I began questioning, if I can do that to Jesus, then there's something not right on the inside. So I came to the little white church and I walked in the back, and just in case God and the preacher didn't talk, I got a track to make sure I got saved that day. I can't tell you what the message was. And I sat in the service and read this gospel track, and I went to the altar and I asked the Lord to save me. And He met me there. I honestly don't think I had any help, just the Lord, a gospel track, and Him saving my soul that day, March 16, 2003, 11-year-old boy. 
at Salt Rock Baptist Church. Can I say that day He came for me? And if you can go back to the day that you were saved, Jesus came for you that day. And He knows you by name. The Bible says our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. When He saves us, He knows us. He didn't come to stumble across say, oh well, since I'm here I'll pick you up and you'll make do. I really want to save somebody else. But the day that you and I felt the conviction of the Holy Ghost of God, I want to say that He knew your name. And that through the ups and downs, He knows our name. I challenge you tonight, if you don't have a time, when you know beyond a doubt that Jesus knew your name, that He called your name, that He wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life, I encourage you, maybe tonight is the night that He'll call your name. He knew my name when He saved me. But then secondly, I want to say Jesus knows my name while serving Him. Jesus knows my name while serving Him. Go to John chapter number 12 if you would. And we'll read in verse number 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom He raised from the dead. There they made Him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with Him. Then Mary took a... Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? Then he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and had to bag and bear what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying have she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. We come here and I have, we've recently had a Sunday school lesson on this passage. And, and of course Martha, serving, cumbered about in the kitchen if you will, and Mary at the feet of Jesus. And I've expressed to the teenagers, they both have their place. Our service and our worship should be mixed together. One without the other doesn't function. We need the mix of both. And first of all, I want to say when we're talking about serving God, it is a costly service. It's a costly service. The ointment here that was used in a form of worship to the Lord wasn't cheap. Matter of fact, we see 300 pence. Why wasn't it sold? This was a great sacrifice. A great sacrifice. And I want to express tonight that if we serve God, If we give our life to service to God, it's going to cost us something. It'll cost us our time. It'll cost us finances. And when I say our time and our finances, ultimately it's all His, isn't it? But at the end of the day, it will cost us our pleasures, our wants, our desires, if we're going to be committed to the service of Jesus Christ. But I want to express to you that in the midst of the service, He knows our name. We may not have all the fancy amenities, the nice homes, nicest church, and so on and so on, but we have Jesus. And what I do have is His. And He knows my name in the process. Jesus comes back and says, let her alone. Let her be. While people were questioning what was going on, Jesus was saying, just let her be. 
So not only was it a, a costly service, it's a criticized service. Judas asked, why wasn't it sold for the poor? And then they just like the devil to come up and to say, what could you have done if you hadn't done this? Boy, if you hadn't committed to serving on the bus route, what could have you done Saturday this or that? Oh, it's a criticized service. And it would have been a good thing to give to the poor. It would have been a good thing. It wouldn't have been a bad thing, but it wasn't the best thing. And sometimes when you and I are choosing our service, we must realize it will be criticized. Oh, but in the process, He knows our name. Not everybody will always understand why Solid Rock Baptist Church is the way it is. Not everybody will agree with the fact that we do this program, not this program. Not everybody will agree that we have conservative music and not contemporary music. Not everybody's going to agree that we have Pats Club and or not this and so on and so on and we run buses and we're trying to reach the world. Not everybody will agree with that. It will be a criticized service. But as long as we're following the lead of the Lord, we can rest assured He knows our name. He knows our name. It's a criticized service. It's a challenging service. I think most any of us could, could understand this. It doesn't say, but I, I would say if Mary, as she's breaking that costly ointment, and the remarks in the background, do think for a moment. Mary's there at the feet of Jesus. Martha's working. Judas is saying, why wasn't this sold? Can't you think inside? I know I would. Maybe I didn't do the right thing. What could I have done better? Was there something else I should have done with this? No doubt it was a challenging service. You have times in your life when you're in the process of doing something for the Lord and you're filled with doubt. One minute you're doubting it. One minute you're confident. The next minute you're doubting And you make the step of faith and you begin to think, maybe I didn't do the right thing. The Bible doesn't tell us that with Mary, but I would would say in human flesh how I would feel in that moment. I I would question. So it's a challenging service. But can I tell you, as we try to discern right, we may not always get it right, but Jesus knows our name. Even when I mess it up, Jesus still knows my name. So you know, it's one thing to rebel against what we know to be right, but it's another thing to be trying to get it right and still miss the mark. And I'm thankful that in that process, Jesus knows my name. But then I want to say, not only was it a costly service and a criticized service and a challenging service, but I think that one of the greatest messages we can get from Him knowing our name and our service, it was a centered service. Mary anointed the feet of Jesus. And I understand there were customs and different things. But if we're talking about Jesus, and we're talking about His feet, why couldn't the ointment have been broken and used all over His body or, or on His legs? Why, not, why just His feet? I believe there's something we can learn from here. And why, why Mary used her hair, understanding that's her glory. 
God would, would gain the glory. But the only way that Mary could wipe the feet of Jesus, when we're talking about sinner's service, with her hair, is first of all, she'd have to be nailed in His presence, at His feet. But even just kneeling wasn't quite enough. In order for her hair to be that that she would wipe and anoint the feet of Jesus, she literally would have been bowed over. And my hair is not long, but you take a lady's hair that would have been long and been her glory, she would have leaned over and done something like this to anoint the feet of Jesus. So what, why, why is that so important? Because the lower she got, and the closer she had to be to use her hair to wipe that feet, those feet of Jesus, all she could see was Jesus. It's a centered service. At some point, when Mary was there at the feet of Jesus, and you could smell the ointment coming up into the filling the the aroma in the in the house, the critics, I have a feeling they just started fading away. Because here Mary is, all she can see is the feet of Jesus, and she's taking that hair and she's anointing those feet. She doesn't. I imagine she forgets who's in the room because her eyes are on the one that matters. It's a centered service. I want Jesus to know my name, and He does while I'm serving Him. Oh, but may we get centered in our service back to Him. Isn't it easy to look around sometimes and see what someone else is doing, how great somebody else is doing, and that is the great downfall of social media. The mystique is totally shattered. What used to you had to wait till the next service to talk to your friend about, you know it 30 seconds after it happens. That's why we cannot talk in the society that we live in. But I want Him to know my name. And He'll know my name in a way like no other when I'm serving Him. It's a centered service. May I encourage you, don't get discouraged and sidetracked and defeated what everybody else is doing. Let's just get down and anoint the feet of Jesus. He knows my name when He saved me. He knows my name while I'm serving Him. But then I want to say number three, He knows my name in my sorrow. He knows my name in my sorrow. We'll go back to John chapter 20, verses 11 and 13. Mary was weeping. She's weeping. Crying is one thing. Weeping, I I take that to be a step further. She's weeping. It's a sad time in her life. Literally, the very thing she came to see was not there. The very one she longed to see was not there. May I say that Jesus knows my name in my sorrows. Mary's literally, for a moment, she's lost a loved one. She's lost a loved one. Financial pain, the Lord knows our name. Distress, sorrows of serving, whatever it may be, can I say that He knows your name. He knows your name. Isn't it easy sometimes through the sorrow and the struggles, the stress, to get in the arm of flesh? 
And somewhere along the lines we remember. Maybe we hear our name and we're reminded we need Him. He knows my name when He saved me. He knows my name in my service. He knows my name in my sorrow. But then number four, He knows my name in lost sight. Verse number 14, And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing. And notice the next phrase, and knew not that it was Jesus. Now I'm not going to judge Mary. She didn't recognize Jesus. And I would say there's multiple reasons. She's weeping. How many of you have ever been crying, blubbering, you know? All, you know, just tears coming and flowing. And you try to look at somebody and you can see crystal clear, right? It's got this blurry effect. She's been weeping, so perhaps the reason she looked over and saw the form of somebody, but didn't recognize it was Jesus. Perhaps she could see, but mentally she was so consumed and concerned with where Jesus had been laid that it didn't register. Perhaps from the fear that she would be left with no hope. Can't you see Jesus standing there saying, Woman, why weepest thou? Who seekest thou? Waiting for Mary to see Him. Standing off to the side. Mary's weeping, frantic, panicked, trying to find where Jesus is. And Jesus standing for herself. Hey, hey, why are you weeping over there? Just a simple nudge to acknowledge. She goes on and says, Tell me where you laid them. And Jesus says, Mary. The one word that took us from defeat to victory. Immediately, Mary recognizes Jesus. Rabboni, Master. Can I ask you something, church? When is the last time we have heard Jesus calling our name? The only way we'll get help tonight is to be honest. But could you say in your personal life you feel as if Jesus is gone? At times, no hope for your level of service, for what God's put in your heart. I want you to notice though what Mary was doing when she wanted that hope. Mary went to the last place She knew Jesus to be. She went to the last place she knew Jesus to be. She knew He'd been laid in the tomb. And when you read in any of the accounts in the Gospels, you don't find Mary, the body of Jesus is referenced. But throughout John 20, and I'll just read a few of the pronouns that are used. She saith unto them, because they have taken away my Lord. Where they have laid Him. Tell me where thou hast laid Him. And on and on, the references are to the person of Jesus. If you had not known that Jesus had died, and you had just read or heard Mary say, 
I'm looking, where have you laid him? You really wouldn't know that Jesus was dead. She didn't say the body. She said, Him. My Lord. I'm looking for my Lord. Where's He at? She was looking for His presence, not His person. She was looking, wanting the presence of Jesus. Where have you and I left Jesus? It's real easy to seek God's provision and not His presence. To seek what His hand has instead of His heart. But I'm thankful through all of that, He knows my name. That even when I'm not seeing Him as clearly as I should, He remembers me. He knows my name. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed. (laughs)